Hi, welcome back to the Fastball Profits. We're doing our second rankings video for our watcher series. Thanks for joining us. Now, we talked about the first ones we did were 1 through 12. We called those our wide receiver ones. Mixed in there is what we call our tier 1 and 2-2 two, two wide receivers, not to mix that up once again. Mm -hmm. Important that we distinguish that. So now we're going to go 13 through 24, and this is what we call our wide receiver twos. And this is the idea that in a 12-team league, which is your typical size, these are the guys that are going to come off the board and typically be your second wide receiver. So that's what we're going to start with there. And I think, Christian, you got the first guy. I think you have A.J. Brown at number 13. Yeah, let's go A.J. Brown at 13. And I believe, like you said, that starts off our Tier 3 wideouts. All right. So, and you don't, maybe before we say anything, I'd like to clarify that this is PPR rankings. We tend to lean that way. We think that that's probably what it seems like most fantasy leagues are this year. So that's what we're doing. Um, anyways, he finished 14th in PPR scoring last year, A.J. Brown did. And when we really dig into the numbers... He was very productive, especially for such a young wideout. It's hard not to be excited about him. I remember the hype around his volume and, and what he was going to be able to do in PPR before they signed Julio Jones. How could you not be hyped about a guy who had 101 targets, which was 29th in the league? Not great, but he, he also had 70 catches for over 1,000 yards, and really where he shined was the 11 touchdowns. That was fifth amongst wide receivers. So then the question there was, you know, they lose Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, and he gets that extra volume. Of course, now when they sign Julio Jones, the answer really seems to be no. But that's still an additional weapon to that offense. And really the way I look at it, just to put it out there and be straightforward with everything, the addition of Julio Jones makes A.J. Brown a much safer pick. His floor is raised. His defenses will not be able to focus on him like they want to. And it definitely takes away from his PPR value. He is not going to be seeing 100 catches this year. He just won't. But I don't think he's going to take a hit either. I'll address that in a second. Ultimately, for me, what it really does is I think he's going to have a very similar year this year than what he had last year because what's the one thing as great as Julio Jones is that he's always struggled with? finding the end zone and that's something that AJ Brown is the opposite where he is phenomenal at finding the end zone so this could be a great situation where he is an especially dominant dynasty wide receiver or excuse me um standard league wide receiver that's what I was trying to say um so I might even bump him up a few spots if you're in a standard league but one thing to address and we talked about this when the trade first came out and Julio went there was just how productive the Titans offense have been over the last two seasons. So since 2019, they are first in offensive touchdowns with 110. They are first with 23 plays of 50 plus yards. They are first with a 75% red zone touchdown percentage and they are first with 47 rushing touchdowns so just a phenomenal offense nothing but production and again we talk about that flip you lose John Smith and Corey Davis but you gain Julio Jones what are you gaining and what are you losing there just very numerically uh, Smith and Davis combined for 153 targets 106 catches 1400 yards and 13 TDs so yeah they did gain Julio Jones but you know, unless Julio Jones is going to have 13 touchdowns, there is more than enough room for A.J. Brown at this point. I don't think that's a concern, in my opinion, at all. Really, ultimately, the biggest benefit to his fantasy value is how bad the Titans' defense is. Last year, they were the seventh-worst fantasy defense and the fifth-worst defense as far as points per game allowed. So... That's my breakdown on A.J. Brown. Rob, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, it just sounds an awful lot like Adam Thielen, who, by the way, uh, his, his last two years, his catches have been down on his yards, but last year with 14 touchdowns, that really carried him to, to really up there in the top 10 for wide receiver scoring. So um, once in those touchdowns, are, I think you're right. I think it's going to bring nice balance, and he'll be okay. I think, like you said, he's in a very safe floor, but Julio Shona probably lowers his ceiling a little bit. Of course. Um, let's get to our number 14 guy. So I've got Tyler Lockett at number 14. 
Now his average draft position currently is number 21. So why do we have him at 14, right? Like that's mm-hmm. seven points high. It's pretty high right now. Well, here, here's what I'd say about Tyler Lock. If you're a gambler, you may want to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens is our desire to hit a home run and find the next Jerry Rice, we easily overlook what I would call safe, solid options. And that's exactly what he is. He's a very safe and solid option at wide receiver. Said back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. His three years average, look at the last three years, look what he's averaged. 80 catches, 1,025 yards, and nine touchdowns have been his average for three years, so there's consistency there. Five consecutive years since he came in the league has improved his catches per season. Last year he had 100 catches. That was you know, the high mark for him. His catches per game went up. You go back to 2016, he had 2.7 catches per game. Went up to 2.8, 3.6, 5.1, and then last year, 6.3. Now, I'm going to say this. I don't think that trend's going to continue, okay? I don't think he's going to improve on a 6.3 catches per game. I think that was his high watermark. He's looked back on his career. That's probably going to be it. That's why I feel he's going to land there. But 85 catches for him in a year is, I think, very reasonable. That's what you should expect, and those are good numbers. He's had 28 touchdowns the last three years, double-digit touchdowns twice. Now, at 5'10", he's not what you would call your like prototypical red zone you know, wide receiver, but he's shown a consistency in the area. He's finding the red zone once again 28 times in three years. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's very good, reliable wide receiver. And uh, his reliability is what I think makes him one of the favorite targets and why Wilson trusts him so much, Russell Wilson, obviously. Mm-hmm. 2018, he had a phenomenal season. He became the first wide receiver in the NFL who had a perfect passer rating when thrown to. I mean, he was phenomenal all year long. In fact, he's got a career quarterback rating when thrown to a 125. And in 2018, it was 158. It's a perfect passer rating. I mean, that's phenomenal. Can you imagine that? Any thoughts on that? No, I mean, what do you add to that? When you have that type of efficiency, it's just proof of how productive he is and that offense. And really, let, I'm just going to put it out there. When nothing's changed, rankings shouldn't change. This idea of, like, we're not excited about him, so we lower his ranking is stupid. He's still got a quarterback that he's had and he's been successful with for years and the same coach and the same offense and the same health. Like, I don't get it. I just, I don't know. So you look at uh, Lockett versus the Metcalf there. They're, like, really opposite players. Metcalf is a phenomenal, the dude's a beast. He's a mismatch for cornerbacks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's phenomenal, but yet he's dropped some really easy catches. Yeah. You know, he's got bricks for hands at times. Now you look at Lockett, maybe not physically as dominant, but very good hands, a 4.6 drop rate percentage in his career. In 2017 and 2018 combined, he only dropped one pass. So kind of the opposite of Metcalf there, right? Yeah. Kind of like your yin and yin. Uh, he's durable. That's key. He's missed one game in six seasons, so you like that. We never think of him as being a durable wide receiver, but he really is. USA Today did an article, and they ranked the top slot receivers in the NFL, and they gave him number three overall ranking, and so that's a really high ranking up there. He's got a good surrounding cast that keeps his floor, I think, stable. Wilson's a stud quarterback. you got Metcalf, they'll draw extra attention from defenses. I mean, he's going to rarely see double coverage or safety sneaking over. Um, now, if you think number 14 is too high of a ranking for him, consider last year he finished eighth in fantasy points among wide receivers. At 28 years old, he's got a lot of good years left. And they got a new guy there named Shane Waldron coming in. And he's going to give a little more freedom to his wide receivers. I think that might help a little bit. Um, and here's the other thing. Behind him, there's not a lot of great wide receivers that are going to steal significant targets. He's got a very safe floor. Maybe not as high ceiling as some other wide receivers out there. But if I could describe this guy, he's safe. Uh, not spectacular. But you know what? Points are points in fantasy. And I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get style points. You just simply get points. And that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that really brings me to maybe the only thing I could add to this. And this comes down to, if you guys, if you want to win your fantasy league, you have to take risks. But if every single player you draft is a risky player, you will miss and you will not win your league. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect player to take the advantage in ADP, take the safety, and then you can worry about risks at other positions or at other times in your draft. So I love Tyler Lockett, especially at his ADP.
All right, so now I want to talk about wide receiver Mike Evans as our number 15 wideout. Uh, looking at it last year, he finished 11th in PPR scoring and 7th in standard. What really stands out to me was his 2.55 fantasy points per touch was 7th amongst wide receivers. He is an unbelievably efficient wide receiver. Again, just like Tyler Lockett, where you talked about like when he touches the ball, he gets you fantasy points. Ultimately, we already know the fact of the matter is... And, uh, for a guy who's had seven years in the NFL in seven straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons, which I don't think a wide receiver has ever done. I think it's just Mike Evans to be the only guy to have every year of him in the league being over 1,000 yards. So I love that consistency. I'm going to put it out there right now. He would be a top five ranked wide or a top six ranked wide out in our rankings if it weren't for the amount of weapons in that offense. And you guys already know that. But Chris Godwin's phenomenal. Rob Gronkowski's good. Heck, they even have like depth at tight end. They got Tyler Johnson. And oh yeah, they've got Antonio Brown. That is a just crazy, crazy loaded receiving course. So here's really why he doesn't crack the top five and we are essentially moving him down about 10 spots. And this comes down to, they don't really need to rely on him. And we look into the playoffs. I was looking at some numbers. In the Super Bowl, he saw just one target. Now, it was fun to watch because it was a 31-yard catch, and man, he's productive, but I don't care what you do with that one catch unless it's a 99-yard touchdown. Like, one target's just not enough, and it really needs more volume in that. And it wasn't just the Super Bowl. It was the entire playoffs. They had four playoff games the Buccaneers had, and in those playoff games, he averaged less than three catches for 50 yards, a 50% catch percentage, and just 10 PPR points per game. That's not really the tale of Mike Evans. I think over a stretch of an entire season, he's definitely going to be averaging more than that. Um, but for me, it is, you know, it is a concern. And it is, again, it's purely a volume concern. This has nothing to do with his talent. Go back to 2019, he played 13 games, but he was on pace to finish as the number two wide receiver in fantasy scoring. In fact, over the last eight seasons, he is top eight in fantasy points per game three years in a row. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. They just don't need to use him with the same kind of volume that a Michael Thomas gets, a DeAndre Hopkins, a Devontae Adams. Really, that's the missing piece that takes you from a stud wideout to an absolutely elite wideout, and he just doesn't quite have the volume. So uh, I guess I'll quit beating a dead horse and saying that same phrase over and over again. Um, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, there's not much to say there. The guy's a stud. I love him. he's what, 6'5", big target. Uh, I think for Welcome in the League, you had to look back to him the first five seasons, he had 1,000 yards, and that was A.J. Green that did the same thing. But now, uh, I think his sixth year, A.J. Green got hurt. Um, he's just putting on, uh, once again, continue to add in statistical of consistency. He's very good, you know. Yeah, and one thing with that, he had a high touchdown mark last year, 13 TDs. Um, we talk about guys like Adam Thielen, or like I trust some players like A.J. Brown to have high touchdowns this year. I'm not going to say I trust Mike Evans to have high touchdowns. He's been very inconsistent in the touchdown category. One year, he'll have 10 or 12. The following year, one year, he only had three. He went over 1,000 yards with three TDs. Like That's an area for him that I'm not going to trust, so I will put that out there as well. If you're in a standard league, he, you know, he, does he even drop a few more spots? Probably. Um, but let's get to our next guy, number 16. All right, so now we've got wide receiver DJ Moore. And in a lot of ways, he is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. And we've said that a lot about these guys, but really he is. He's had back-to-back -back seasons with at least 1,175 receiving yards. And he's really done it with, you know, not necessarily horrible quarterback situations, but do they have a great quarterback there? I mean, we see guys who like Michael Thomas had his great year with Drew Brees. Devontae Adams has hit, 
has had his great year with Aaron Rodgers and like Tyreek Hill's been a touchdown machine, but he's got Pat Mahomes. So in reality, I think he's probably a little bit more talented than most people give him credit for. In fact, looking at it, there were just three wide receivers who finished with 93 plus yards in eight separate games. They were Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs, and then of course, finally, DJ Moore. So uh, again, love that. He's a guy who can go up for big yards. And I love the quarterback situation. They bring in Sam Darnold. And I absolutely think that, that could make the difference. I really do. He is a, a wide receiver who's already making something out of nothing, right? Or turning a, a okay catch into a big catch. He averaged 5.91 yards after catch last season. And oh yeah, that doesn't already include the fact that he was already averaging 18 yards per catch total. So really you see this like, He's getting, what, you know, 12 yards down the field, catching the ball, and then, boom, he's getting you another six. I love that ability to produce because it's not quarterback dependent. That being said, you know, they're switching to Sam Darnold from Teddy Bridgewater, and I think it's a bit of an upgrade, not necessarily in that, you know, Teddy, or excuse me, Sam Darnold's probably going to, you know, maybe throw a few more interceptions, make a few more mistakes, but as far as fantasy production goes, he's also much more likely to stretch the field and make big plays. So really like that, adds a lot to that. And then finally, let's be honest, we cannot ignore the fact that uh, Curtis Samuel is gone. Samuel is leaving 138 touches for over 1,000 yards and five TDs. Now, some of those were on the ground because he's a versatile dual threat weapon, but that's still a lot to be left in that kind of that wide receiving core. So, you know, you got to wonder, is that extra volume going to go to DJ Moore, who really is separated himself as, in my mind, again, one of those real underrated gems in the NFL? Yeah, the only concern I got, Sam Darnold, I think a lot of people wonder how good he will be. And I'll say this, the poor guy, Sam Darnold, didn't get a fair opportunity to show what he can do for the Jets there. Adam Gase, his coach, um, has been the ruin of many a quarterback. That's the same coach that believed that Ryan Tannehill could not be uh, a good starting quarterback. And so that's all you need to know. I think we're going to see that Sam Darnold is much better than we realized. The reason why he was an early first-round pick, and I do think it's an upgrade, and I think DJ Moore, like you said, is very underrated. Yeah, and it's like you said, I think Sam Darnold's an upgrade, but I, I don't necessarily, I don't need to talk about, is that a football upgrade? Are the Panthers going to win more games? No, we just know that he's going to make bigger plays. Whether or not he throws more interceptions, it's kind of a win-win when you switch from a conservative quarterback to more of a, I wouldn't call him a gunslinger, but more of a gunslinger, because either he's a phenomenal quarterback and a surprise and their offense is super productive, or he throws lots of interceptions and you get fourth quarter stats. Like, you know, when you move from that conservative QB, it's going to help you either way. What, like Jameis Winston? Like Jameis Winston, who's just fantasy stud, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we move on to our wide receiver 17? So I've got Adam Thielen at number 17. First five years he came in the league and proved his catches and yards every year he came in. I want to pause right there, by the way. Um, this guy's a great story. If you didn't know, this guy's a walk-on player, made the practice squad. I mean, it was phenomenal. You should really look into it. It's a really good story. But anyways, first five years, he comes in and proves his catches, his yards. Heading into 2019 after a monster season of 113 catches, 1,373 yards. Okay, And he was being drafted as a wide receiver one in a lot of leagues. Okay, um, But he's disappointed in the last two years. Why is that? Well, first, last year wasn't that bad. Actually, he finished 10th in wide receiver fantasy points and scoring. So, I mean, 10th is pretty good. So, I don't know why you consider that a bad year. Um, now, why his 2019 season was a disappointment? Very simple, injuries. That's it. It was injuries. And that plagued him in 2019. He only played 10 games. And here's the thing. Even when he did play, he often played less than 100%. He was beat up. He was hurt. I believe he had a hamstring injury that was causing him issues. So once again, that was what it was, was injuries. But here's the thing. It's the NFL. Injuries are going to happen. Okay? It's just going to happen. But I don't think we can look at him and think he's injury prone. 
first five years in the league, he didn't miss one game. So I think these, this is a guy that will come back. He'll be healthy. He'll be productive. Kirk Cousins trusts him. That's the key. If you're going to be a good wide receiver, your quarterback has got to throw you the ball. And Kirk Cousins trusts him, and for good reason. Look at four of the last five years, his quarterback reign win thrown to, for Adam Thielen, is this, 120, 124, 115, and 121. So once again, those are pretty solid numbers there. Now, back in 2018, we saw just how good he could be statistically. We talked about 113 catches, over 1,300 yards. He got the seventh ranking by Pro Football Focus among wide receivers and finished seventh in scoring that year. So we see that this guy's got that sort of type of skill to be a wide receiver one. I'm not saying he's going to be, but definitely the talent is there. He's had 29 scores over the last three years. That's fourth most among wide receivers. That's a lot of touchdowns. And going into last year, he never had double-digit touchdowns, but last year he had 14 behind Adams and Hill. Now, why the bump in touchdowns? Um, could be that he was getting less attention now that Jefferson was on there, possibly. Um, but I think primarily they were playing from behind a lot. It was volume. A lot of late-time garbage stats. Uh, that defense wasn't good last year. He'll be 31 this year. Now, when he, if you're a running back and you're 31, you're getting old. But at wide receiver, two, three more years, good, no problem. He can easily do that within range. Now, we have him at 17. His average draft position is 19, so that's not that much of a fluctuation. We did bump him down a little bit. Um, do I have concerns for him? Yeah. I have two concerns, but I don't have big concerns. One is defense, the Vikings' defense. They were brutal last year. They were 29th in points allowed at 29.7, okay? It means they had to throw the ball a lot. There was a lot of volume there. But here's the thing. If you know Coach Zimmer, the one thing he's known for is what? Defense. Defense. He's going to make an improvement. The defense will get better, okay? They may not be top 10 like they used to be, but they're not going to be 29th. So that means it may be a little less volume there. And the other concern I have is do they spread out the targets between him, Dalvin Cook, and Jefferson? Maybe. Here's what I would say, though. Neither one of those concerns are going to be enough to significantly affect his output. I think he's a very good wide receiver there that a lot of people overlook because, once again, we're always looking for that new thing, that new flashy thing. But you know what? He's a solid wide receiver. Absolutely. And the thing with the touchdowns, again, they're really hard to predict the touchdowns. But he was very high. I believe he was second only to Devontae Adams in red zone targets. Don't quote me on that because that was your research, and so I'm trying to just remember things off the top of my head. But he definitely had volume in the red zone, and that, that shows me that his touchdowns are probably going to be a little more repeatable. Yeah, he was actually the most efficient wide receiver with his red zone targets, number one number in the one. entire league. So, Well, that's huge. So why don't we get to our number 18 wide receiver? Again, here we are at wide receiver number 18, and let's talk about Chris Godwin. This is a guy who, again, all the potential in the world. Go back to 2019, he was second in fantasy scoring amongst receivers and probably would have been first. Remember, that was the historic Michael Thomas, like, 150-catch season. And, of course, he was able to do it really by just being so productive after the catch. His insane 6.75 average yards after the catch. I've never seen a number that high. That's crazy productive, especially from any wideout that had volume. Looking back to last year, however, really that's, that success and that efficiency continued. So I'm just going to read off these stats because there's a lot of numbers and I won't waste any time. But uh, the Buccaneers were sixth in team passing attempts and ultimately he ranked eighth amongst qualifying wide receivers in yards per target. He was eighth in fantasy points per target. He was very efficient. His average depth of target um, was 10 yards or 10.3 yards per target. That was 52nd amongst wide receivers. So what that's saying is they're not throwing it deep. He's catching short passes, but he's making the most of it. Those short passes, um, he's doing it after the catch, juking out cornerbacks, making big moves. So we love to see that because we know he's got a good quarterback. We also can see with a stat like that that he's not particularly dependent on that quarterback. So that's of course, really nice to see. He was fourth amongst receivers in his catching percentage at 77 and ninth in his contested catch rate at 70%. 
ultimately extremely efficient, very productive, really comes down to the same situation as Mike Evans, right? And that's the question is just like too many weapons there. Ultimately, it seems a lot like they don't want to lean on him for touchdowns. And that's probably the reason that we bumped him down below Mike Evans. I trust Evans to find the end zone a little bit more. I don't trust either of these guys to consistently find the end zone. I mean, look at the Super Bowl last year at the biggest stage and the biggest, most important game. They threw three touchdowns. That should be enough for one of these two guys to catch a touchdown, and neither of them did. It went two to Gronk and one to Antonio Brown. So, like, how do you begin to predict that and feel like from week to week? So that was kind of the really the thing that held both of these guys down. But that's uh, that's it right there for Chris Godwin. Yeah, you know, all it takes is one of those wide receivers getting hurt, and before you know it, any one of those wide receivers becomes a top-ten wide receiver. So Absolutely. that's the one wish, not that you wish somebody gets hurt, but... And that's probably why we end up with so many players every year where we talk about how great they are and how, right? It feels like we got like 20 guys that could be the wide receiver one. And ultimately, situations like that where it's could a quarterback developer, won't he? Could, you know, an injury happen or won't it? And it's like the potential might be there, but not everyone's going to achieve that potential. And so we kind of have to weed out the people who are more or less likely to hit their ceiling. All right, now we're talking at wide receiver 19, C.D. Lamb. Man, this guy had a phenomenal rookie season who was just completely overshadowed by Justin Jefferson. But that being said, I I don't think that we should forget about him again. Justin Jefferson was phenomenal, but we could very well be looking back at the end of their careers and saying C.D. Lamb could be better. He was great last year. He finished 24 in wide receiver PPR scoring as a rookie. That's already good enough. But remember that he missed his quarterback for a large portion of the season. Dak Prescott was only there for five games, and I believe the fifth game was the injury game, so it was more like five and a half or whatever. But in those five games, he was actually the wide receiver 11 in PPR scoring, which is insane. He was a wide receiver one in his first five games in the NFL. He totaled 85 fantasy points. So let's put it this way. Here's what he was on pace for. Had he continued that, had Prescott been healthy, he was on pace for 125 targets, 93 catches, just shy of 1,400 yards, and then a total of 274 fantasy points, which would have been sixth amongst wide receivers. He was absolutely out of this world. Now, there are a few things there that make me you know, wonder. One is they've got two other great wideouts. Amari Cooper is, you know, been more than good, right? And I think there are times where he himself, Amari Cooper, has been a wide receiver one. He is going to be a thousand yard wideout. And even a guy like Michael Gallup, he was kind of getting up there close to a thousand yards, which is scary. And then you've got a just right, what do they say? Feed Zeke, right? I mean, he is just a volume back on the ground. And in those games, he was actually second behind Alvin Kamara um, for running back catches. So there's just so many mouths to feed in that offense. And and then I, I think maybe the one thing too, where it's like, Who are they putting at the slot, right? Slot receivers are very important to NFL teams, but they don't really draw a lot of fantasy points. And he saw a ton. His 573 snaps in the slot was the third most amongst wide receivers. So again, you know, wonder, I'd love to see them move him out. Here's the thing. If they move him out as the wide, wide receiver, right? And really truly move him into that role, he will be the number one receiver in that offense. And he will at some point, Either this year or next, he is going to beat out Amari Cooper as the guy in that offense. The question is, is it next year, a year after that? Is it the second half of this year? I don't feel like I'm quite ready to say that he's the true number one at this point in time. 
Yeah, them drafting C.D. Lamb's a little confusing for me. Maybe it goes back to what the Vikings did. We drafted Randy Moss. We had a good Jake Reed and we had Chris Carter, mm-hmm. right? But they went with best talent available, and, of course, Randy Moss was that. It was confusing because, like you said, Michael Gallup was really good. The year before they drafted um, Lamb, he ends up with 1,000 yards, 1,107 in 14 games. So, once again, that guy's good. I feel bad for him, actually. I do. You kind of feel bad for him in that just crowded offense. Someone's going to be leaving here soon in the next couple of years. And, and I do think, you know, two, three years from now, C.D. Lamb will be the number one wide receiver in that offense. And I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. The question is, how long does it take? I wonder if he's going to take five, six, eight, ten 10 weeks this season. Will it not happen this season for him to be the true number one? So it's just a matter of time. So I've got Cooper Cup, number 20 for us. His average draft position is 22, so once again, pretty closer. We have him a little bit higher. This guy is very, very underrated. I don't think people realize how good he is. In fact, I suspect at the end of his career, he'll be considered one of the better slot receivers that we have seen in our time. I think he'll finish with Wes Welker-type career numbers. Now, in his rookie year, we saw his praises as a rookie. In fact, we previewed him in a rookie impact video. Mm-hmm. talked about a guy you need to keep your eye on, and he did really well. After his rookie year, we pushed him even harder going down to the 2018 season. We said, yeah. this guy is so good. Now, he only played eight games that year due to an ACL injury. Now, he finished with six touchdowns in eight games, but two of those eight games that he played, he only played a small portion of those games because he got hurt in the game. Mm-hmm. So he only played that year six full games. In those six full games, he was on pace of 93 catches, 1,405 yards, and 16 touchdowns. His last two years, he's averaged 93 catches and over 1,000 yards receiving. So if you take that, you combine and look at his statistical per-game averages. In the last three years, he's averaging 90 catches and over 1,000 yards. Um, that's very good. You're not going to find that with many wide receivers out there. That's consistent. Not consistent, but consistently good. Mm-hmm. Um, his worst year was his rookie year. Now, consider the fact that he was a rookie. He had a bad year. He only played in 15 games, so there's one game he missed. He had 62 catches, 869 yards. Um, that's pretty good rookie year there, right? Yeah. Justin Jefferson, man, that guy's, you know, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. That doesn't happen a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at deeper metrics, okay, if you look at 2017, uh, if you go all the way back then, moving forward, no other wide receiver has gotten open more than Cup or gained more yards after the catch, okay, than that wide receiver there. And it's clear on a stat that was done by a Michigan football analytics expert named uh, Taj Smith. He looked and he broke it down. Here's what he found statistically is that Cup has opened 50% of his targets. That's insane. Yeah, 50% of the time he's open his targets. He gains an average of four yards after the catch. He's the only receiver in the NFL to eclipse both thresholds. The only wide receiver to do that both areas. I mean, that's pretty good. So the Rams strategy is uh, everyone just sits around and Cooper just runs 10 yards down the field. And after two, three plays, he'll just get open. and they'll yeah. just. Now, if they had a quarterback last year, it could have hit him in target. So. I was going to say, uh, if they had a guy who could throw it 10 yards down the uh, field, then maybe it would have been more successful. Yes, but alas, they do this year. Yeah. So uh, last, uh, He's raised a fifth best, slot, fifth best slot receiver in the NFL. He's got a career passer rate of 125 when thrown to, except for last year. Last year was around 98, and that was because Goff struggled. had nothing to do with Cooper Cup. In fact, if you watch it last year, there's so many times where um, he was not hitting stride. He was wide open and missed. I mean, time and time again, you know, Goff uh, just struggled last year. No, he also played from the injuries and, once again, Goff's regression. In fact, Goff was so uh, interactive down the field. So he had eight throws, what they considered deep throws. Mm-hmm. Of the eight deep throws he got from Goff, only one was catchable. You know, so I mean, once again, you just see the inaccuracies there. Now, he did tear his ACL in 2018, but he actually came back the next year in drills. He was actually quicker and faster than before the injury. So that's not an issue. Don't worry about the ACL. He's fine there. He's still young. This guy's still got a lot of years to grow and to get better. And finally, he's got the best quarterback he's ever had. Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. I'm going to say this right now. If he stays healthy, 
And if he builds rapport with Stafford, he could easily be a top 10 wide receiver. This guy is underrated. He's very solid. Yeah, he absolutely could be a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, what are we, like 20 wideouts in and every guy so far could be? And that's really where we have to ask that question of like, that's the ceiling, great. Where's the floor at? I, he doesn't have a super low floor. He doesn't. Yeah, you know, you talk about, okay, well, yeah, he's not a burner. He's not really fast as far as the numbers go in the 40, or he's not huge like Mike Evans. You know, he's 6'2". Um, so he, he's solid across the board, but he's not great. You know a wide receiver that was like that? He wasn't really tall. He wasn't really fast. He didn't leap really tall. I mean, or, you know. Uh, Just didn't have, didn't stand out. You're talking about Wes Welker, aren't you? No. No, who no, are you no, talking no. about? Talking about the combine, a guy that at the combine didn't have great numbers. It was Jerry Rice. Oh, yeah. Jerry Rice didn't have great numbers. He wasn't the fastest wide receiver. He wasn't the tallest. But, you know, across the board, he was solid. Reminds me a lot of Cooper Cup. He's not great, but he's very good. All right, why don't we move on to our wide receiver number 21. All right, here we've got wide receiver Julio Jones. Of course, he's making that big change to a new team. We already talked about A.J. Brown, so I've really I've already discussed a lot about what you need to know. It's a highly efficient, highly productive offense led by Ryan Tannehill, who has very underrated quarterback, really able to move the chains and make big plays. And they're going to capitalize on that. One thing is that you, you'll you find they don't throw interceptions. They have a terrible defense last year, and they, they had the best turnover differential. That's because Tannehill, like he just, you don't get the ball unless you're his wideout. So you got to love that for sure. And let's be honest, Julio Jones is still, or at least last year, was still really playing pretty much at prime condition level. He was on pace for 1,400 yards, generated a pass rating of 131, and averaged 15 yards per catch. I'll just say that. When when we talk about wide receivers, what's the first thing that usually goes for athletes in general and specifically wideouts? Speed. Speed. For a guy to be averaging 15 yards a catch, that's very high. What does that tell us? He hasn't lost any speed, that's for sure. And he's got a big body. He's got great hands. So huge. But it's not just last year, of course. You guys already know this, so I'm just going to speed through this. His career average is insane. He averages 10 targets a game, 6 catches, 95 yards. Now, he only averages less than half a touchdown per game. And ultimately, he's only had one double-digit touchdown season. So we lean back to what we discussed earlier. Not confident in his ability to find the end zone, especially with Brown there, and you've got Derrick Henry who's going to just gobble up carries in the goal line. But as far as his PPR value goes, it's huge. Again, we discussed it earlier, but I'll say it again because I kind of have to. John Smith and Corey Davis combined for about 1,400 yards, 13 TDs, over 100 catches. That is, I mean, seriously, 100 catches for 1,400 yards. Doesn't that just sound like Julio Jones to you? I mean, that's really like, that's kind of what he has been like. And again, in a team with a very bad defense, both in fantasy and in terms of points per game allowed. So you've got to look at, uh, excuse me, you got to look at Julio Jones and see the upside there and his ability to get those targets. And, you know, perhaps we look back after this season and, you know, I would be curious to see how he's going to do with this new quarterback because, you know, Matt Ryan's been okay, but do I dare say I think Tannehill's a you know, significantly better quarterback? I think definitely at this point, yeah. Yeah, so that's Julio Jones, Rob, unless you have anything to add? No, I think we're I think we're good there. All right, now we're at wide receiver 22, and I want to talk about Brandon Cooks. For you guys, probably going to be shocked that we put him here. According to his ADP, he's the wide receiver 39, making him a bench wide receiver four. Again, not tier four, like a bench wide receiver four, nowhere near 
um, where we're putting him. And I just don't get it. I get that the concern is surrounding Deshaun Watson. We'll address that in a second. But statistically, it just doesn't make sense. Last year, he was a wide receiver seven in fantasy points. He was 10th in yards with over 1,100 receiving yards. And he was 10th in red zone targets in just 15 games. He was nothing but productive. Um, so I actually put a couple of notes here that were really interesting. We can continue to read through some of the stats, but I would like to pause and just point out one thing that really I just I don't understand. Here's what you're saying when you put his ADP at wide receiver 39, because I get it. You can have some concerns. You can bump him down from wide receiver. What is it? Uh, well, we got him at 22. You might not have to put him that high, but I think people are overreacting. Let's put it this way again. When you draft him at wide receiver 39, people are taking Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd before him. That's three wide receivers on an offense that seriously struggled last year and still has a young quarterback that's promising but is very unproven. They had serious issues. In fact, they had uh, Joe Burrow had the most dropped passes that he had to deal with in the games that he played. Those are like the same wideouts that he's dealing with now, and that's not the only situation. Uh, that means you're also drafting Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool all ahead of him. Like, guys, Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver one. Even if it's not Deshaun Watson, he's going to get the volume. When he's healthy, he is a consistent 1,000-yard receiving wide receiver. Um, Rob, do you want to address anything to that before I kind of continue yeah, on? Yeah, you know, it's really weird for me. This guy's a former first-round pick. You forget. He's not like a guy that's just been a journeyman. Uh, he's been in the league seven years, five of those years, over 1,000 yards receiving, mm-hmm. okay? Um, he plays for Houston. Yeah, I agree with you. Even if Watson doesn't come back, okay, okay, Houston's bad. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a bad year. Yeah. The whole thing's a mess. They're going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, exactly. They're a yeah. bad team, going to lose a lot of games, which means they're going to throw the ball a lot, play from behind a lot. Even if he doesn't have a great football year, he's going to have probably a great fantasy year, even mm-hmm. with a mediocre quarterback. So, I mean, um, I can't believe he's fallen out of top a wide receiver three territory it's crazy you can't even sneak him in as like a a not good wide receiver three like i just i think it's an overreaction and i get it but what's the worst case scenario they play tyrod taylor who's not great but he relies on his safe option like come on there's volumes gonna be there again look at the stats last year he generated a pass rating of 105 when targeted that's better than calvin ridley Allen robinson keenan allen and cooper cup and plenty of other stud wideouts and when he plays at least 15 games he is a thousand yard wide receiver so i'm gonna put it out there right now quit overreacting you might not have to rank him at 22 sure you can drop him a few spots if you want but 39 is just everyone hitting the panic button yeah he got better as year went on take away his first four games he wasn't very good but after that he just got better and better and he finished really strong so yeah uh don't make that mistake and let him fall that far so I've got Kenny Galladay at number 23. This guy's got a good size, six foot four. He's very athletic. He can outleap defenders. He's able to outjump defenders and actually attack the ball at the high point is what you want for a wide receiver to go up and get that. Now, I mentioned he's athletic. Okay, he caught 76.5 of his contested throws. That's second NFL behind only Cole Beasley. Which is, I, Cole Beasley, number one in that stat, kind of surprising. You know, I know he's a little bit underrated, but that is interesting. Maybe that's a topic for another day. Yeah, I was a little surprised that was Cole Beasley. But yeah, number two, this guy can get up there and he grabs contested throws. He had back-to-back 1,000 yards receiving before last year. Injuries robbed him of what could have been a very good year. He was off to a remarkable start for the Lions. He had a 20 catch to 333 yards and uh, four touchdowns. And he had that in the first four games, weeks three through seven. Um, he'd missed two of them with an injury. And through week seven, Pro Football Focus had given him the sixth best wide receiver rating um, and behind only Jefferson, Adams, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that's very good. 
Now, you look at, you take those numbers, he had the first four games, over 16 games, he would have had 80 catches, 1,352 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now, the biggest thing to worry about is the chemistry he's going to have with Daniel Jones. And they've been spending a lot of time together in the offseason working together. In fact, they've been uh, said they're attached at the hip. They need that sort of rapport there. Um, if I have any concerns for them, um, well, one, I'd say there's other wide receivers on that team that are pretty good. They're kind of loaded there. But when he's healthy, he's clearly the number one guy there. They paid mm -hmm. him a lot of money to be the number one wide receiver. And then the other one, and it's obvious, is Daniel Jones. Yeah. He's got to play well at quarterback. But I think he's going to improve over last year. When I look at him, Galladay, he's the opposite of Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, we said, you know, he's not maybe exciting, but he's a very safe pick. Here's a guy that carries a bit of risk, but he's got super high ceiling. This is a guy that we've said it already. What am I going to say? If everything goes well. Could be a top 10 guy. He could be. He does have that sort of talent, but I like where he's at. And he's falling pretty far for a guy that could be top 10, top 12. Yeah, absolutely. Why does he fall here? I don't trust the quarterback situation. And he already had, you know, what, a 50, 55% catch percentage. It was already kind of low. So there are definitely some major concerns there. So our number 24 guy in the final guy of the video is DJ Shark. He's another guy that we're going to talk about has potential upside. A guy that could develop with the right quarterback development and him could be a wide receiver one. Mm -hmm. But I'll say this, we throw that out there a lot. And we really have and we believe. We're not just saying that. Yeah. But the reason why these guys aren't put that high is because they do carry risk. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about DJ Shark. Um, now if you watch our bounce back video that we did, some of this will be familiar information for you. But we had high hopes this guy heading in 2020. Come off a huge season, had 1,000 yard, eight touchdowns. He had 73 catches. Guy's got good size, six foot four. He was really poised to be the team's wide receiver one. His average draft position last year is 20th, but now he finished last year 48th. Big disappointment. Um, he was supposed to be the number one guy, but he didn't turn out to be that. Now, I'm going to tell you why I think he's going to rebound this year. And I think the reason why he's going to rebound, you have to look at why he struggled. Why did he struggle last year, Christian? Uh, probably because he didn't have a competent quarterback. Maybe that's a little too blunt, but that is it. Number one reason, hands down, poor quarterback play. I think they dealt with that in the offseason. Mm -hmm. They went ahead and they brought in Lawrence. Now, Lawrence is a rookie. He's got to develop, but he's already way ahead of Minshew. Now, Shark had a 30-point drop in quarterback rating when thrown to, and here's why. Okay. Um, they have what they call catch percentage in the NFL, and that's when a quarterback is thrown to, and they measure wide receivers' effectiveness. They look at what we call you know, uh, drops, misses, targets, things like that. They try to rate that. Okay. When you look at targets and drops, you have to factor in a little bit deeper. And here's what you need to consider. Um, when they talk about targets, they're not concerned how good the throw was. Yep. Okay, so you got to go a little bit deeper, and they have a stat that actually breaks something we call realist, realistically catchable balls. Not every target's actually a catchable ball, so they really break that down. Here's what you need to know after his good year 2016. Back, I'm sorry, 2019, back in that year when he had that stat, right, he had a 6.5, what they call target quality rating. That was number 24 amongst wide receivers. That's not bad. Decent amount of targets, right? But he had a measly 6.82 target accuracy mark. That's 66 among wide receivers. Okay? Poor quarterback play led to 26.5% of his targets being contested. Okay? And it got worse the year after that. His quality target rating dropped to 5.4%. That was 64% 64 among wide receivers. Mm -hmm. They attempted 27 more passes that year, but he saw one less target. You look at the combination of all the quarterbacks there. Okay? Um, the target accident rate was even worse. It fell down to 6.54, 98 amongst wide receivers. That was horrible. So even though he's getting targets, they were not quality targets. Most of them weren't even catchable balls. They were contested. It was bad. Quarterback play. Once again, Lawrence is way better. This is the best quarterback that Shark has had. Now, um, you look at... Uh, well, you know, and I don't know if you want to keep really digging into this. You did a long breakdown in our bounce back players video. Yes. And I might even say just go watch that because... 
you know, for quite a few of you, you probably already did watch that, and you may not want to hear it all again. But but ultimately, really, I think the big thing for me that I love is the news about how he's been producing and how the coaches have been responding to how he's been kind of trading off of their feedback and moving from that. Yeah, well, I'll just, I won't talk about Like I said, go to the video, watch that. You can get all the details there. But one, coach came in and said he need to put on some weight. The guy's putting on been the weight room, putting on weight. That's huge. Coach has been praising him in practice a bunch of times in scrimmages. He's making great catches using his speed, but he's also being defenders and catching the ball in traffic, making contested catches with his new strength. Um, another thing they talked about last year, why he struggles, Jimmy Smith talked about the quarterback coach Keenan Allen, or Keenan McCardle, talked about how um, he wasn't really given a fair opportunity. They didn't really want a number one wide receiver. Um, they said that really impacted the development of DJ Chark. There's so many things we kind of broke down in that video, why they hampered them. All that's been dealt with. you got a new coach. you got a new quarterback. All the things that are kind of point to this guy having a big breakout year. So once again, I don't want to beat a dead horse. If you really want to know all the details, go to that video, and we'll break it all down for you. But I like DJ Chark at number 24 there with a brand-new quarterback that can actually throw him some accurate balls. All right, guys, so that rounds out our 13 through 24 wide receiver rankings. As always, thank you so much for checking out our channel. Hit that subscribe button for more. We're coming in with our tight end rankings and our sleeper video soon, which we're really excited about. As always, you guys have a great day, and God bless.